What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Making Waves Podcast. This week's guest is Jeremy White. You can find Jeremy playing the perfect mix of music in Montreal during the Jeremy White Show on The Beat 92.5 FM. He also has been making waves interviewing the likes of Gene Simmons of Kiss, Michael Anthony of Van Halen, Gavin Rosdale of Bush on his popular Jeremy White podcast. You can see that podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you probably listen to this. When Jeremy isn't behind a microphone interviewing music legends, you can find him with a guitar in his hands or sitting behind a drum kit re-recording his favorite tunes. Today we talked about how Eddie Van Halen indirectly got Jeremy's first gig in the radio business, his talent for breaking news on his podcast, and all the toys in his home studio. But first, let's talk about our sponsors, Jesse Itzler's 30 Days of Excellence and the iconic clothing brand Britches Great Outdoors. Britches is a world-famous clothing brand that changed the face of fashion as we know it. They are the company that brought the rugby back to America and the creators of the iconic Warthog logo. So right now, get an exclusive 10% off your entire order at warthog.vip. Just use code WAVES, W-A-V-E-S, at checkout. Now, if you want to improve your life, you want motivation, if you want to hang out with like-minded people, you gotta sign up for 30 Days of Excellence by Jesse Itzler and his BYLR program. Offers live, weekly life coaching with some of the world's best experts in their fields. Now, check out some of these. Legendary Wim Hof, best-selling author and brain coach Jim Quick, neurosurgeon and medical expert Sanjay Gupta. It's hosted by Jesse Itzler, world-famous entrepreneur, as well as former Navy SEAL and endurance athlete Chad Wright, and retired NFL linebacker and celebrity trainer Mark Brown. When you sign up for 30 Days of Excellence, you get four live calls a month, access to Jesse's Build Your Life resume course, which is normally a $399 value, one new challenge theme a month, a 30-day roadmap for successful habits, and unlimited access to past calls. It costs $60 a month, but if you're a Making Waves listener, you'll get 50% off the first month just to give it a try. Just go to BYLR.com, click on 30 Days of Excellence, and use the code WAVES at checkout, W-A-V-E-S. See a pattern here with that code. Um, Just for the record, I have been a member of BYLR and Jesse's community since 2018. I love it. I'm on these calls every week. I'm actually in the calendar club. I've done the BYLR course. It's awesome. I've gained some really great friends out of this community. It's a strong community, tight-knit community, and I love it. And on a side note, I'm wearing britches right now. Without further ado, let's talk to Jeremy White. I have a actual bona fide broadcaster on here now. Wow, I'll use that term light, loosely, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, awesome. Well, listen, before we start, I always start the show off with like a rapid fire series of questions. So cool. you got it. It's just one or the other. Try not to land in the middle, okay? Okay. Dogs or cats? Cats. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. So after three seasons of this podcast, not one person has ever said Star Trek. No, because why would they? <laughs> I've never seen one episode of Star Trek, let alone a movie. I'm talking spa. I mean, no. nothing. So I'm going to start. No, neither I've seen the, I saw the, the remake movies, but that was about it. Yeah. Um, okay, here's here's one down your alley. Rolling Stones or Beatles? Oh, Stones. Okay. Uh, Coke or Pepsi? Uh, if, you drank, if you drank soda. If you had to pick. Uh, Coke. I love Coke. Yeah. Beach That's or a good mountains? Quote. That's a good clip to come out. <laughs> oh, Coke. <laughs> God. <laughs> All right, so beach or mountains? Uh, I'll go mountains. Uh, PC or Mac? Mac. East or West Coast? East. All right, Kramer or Costanza? Oh, Costanza. Uh, Superman or Batman? Batman. All right, so you're on a pop station, so that you could go either way on this: Kardashians or Osbournes. Uh, 
you know what? The Osbournes are the original Kardashians, so I got to go Osbournes. There you go. All right, cool. <laughs> you are the host of the. Oh, it's great to be on your show, man. Thanks for having me. I'll see you later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's done, everybody. <laughs> All right, so you're the host of the Jeremy White. I need to get the radio station right. The Jeremy White Show on the Beat 92.5 in Montreal. Yeah. And the Jeremy White Podcast, which can be found on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, and, and many more. Yeah, mostly YouTube. Uh, I really focus on the YouTube thing just because it's more fun. You get to watch the you get to watch the show. You know, yeah. that was one yeah. of the big things when I was launching the podcast, just from my radio experience. Like radio is entirely audio, right? theater of the mind you want to create a visual for the audience whereas with the with the interviews and stuff i really wanted to create a visual a visually stunning kind of product and you know with all the graphics and all the colors uh, i tried to yeah. make it look like a candy store so you know you took def you took the deaf leopard motif and put it on steroids yeah sort of i mean <laughs> you know i mean you know the background is very hysteria inspired yeah, yeah, yeah. the artwork like the album artwork is uh, totally hysteria inspired the the theme song that's an original composition I did, and I tried to make it sound like uh, very much something off hysteria. So, yeah, it's, 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 there's a there's a lot of Def Leppard rooted within uh, pretty much everything I do. So. For me, as a broadcaster and media person and branding person, I do appreciate the little things that you did, which were putting in the accented voice in your voiceovers. Oh yes, it's little things yeah, the like Brit. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of UK radio, like of Capital and Kiss, and um, you know, I mean, uh, the the woman that's on, so the woman voice that she's available wherever you get your podcast. Like she's <laughs> her name is Helen Austin, and she's the voiceover for Capital FM in London and the Capital okay. Network. And the guy is uh, one of my best friends. His name is Paul Hayes, and he's a big British voiceover artist, but he's also a, a really big radio presenter in the UK. He's on yeah. Magic in London. And he and I grew up, we, we, um, I grew up in radio by learning from Paul because uh, he was the guy that was on before me at the beat and he was a British guy. So I, I was really influenced by that British approach to radio presenting. And, uh, when I, when I did my own podcast, my own thing, I was like, I, I need to have British voices because I just love UK radio so much. So I ended up getting him because he's free. So <laughs> buy him a pint, you know, uh... Hey man. All right, so give me some VOs. <laughs> I wanted to. I want to start with before we start with like your background, how you ended up in radio. Is there a difference between? I want to. I want to establish like the baseline here. Is there a difference between Canadian and U.S. radio presentation? They're pretty similar, right? Wouldn't you say? Okay. No, <laughs> they're not similar well, at my, all. And it, my, my Siri is answering your question for you. Oh, nice. Look look yeah, at that. Tell her to shut up. I know. She, <laughs> my daughter, Sadie. Her name is Sadie. So every time I say, hey, Sadie, I'm, I'm sure she she's going to do here. it now. She answers for me. But it, I would assume American radio and Canadian radio are very similar in terms of the presentation. They are in certain aspects of it. Um, you know, a lot of the time, Canadian radio wants to try and sound like American radio. But I don't think they pull it off effectively. Um American radio, I'll, I'll tell you what, because I have a lot of friends in, in UK radio and European radio, and we talk about this all the time, where the America is like five years, ten years behind Europe, and then Canada is like five years behind America. So it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, yeah, okay, the presentation style is sort of similar, depending on the format. It also yeah. really depends on the format. You know, if you're on a, on a Z100 kind of station, like, um, you know, my style is very Z100. I, I learned how to do pop radio by listening to Mo Bounce on Z100. And that's kind of what you get in, with me on pop radio. Uh, if I'm doing rock, it's very different, but uh, not at the same time, because you kind of take all those skills that you learn between doing the pop stuff and you can incorporate it into the rock. You, you know, you learn how to create concise sentences and keep you know, uh, word economy and mm -hmm. the way you present things and how you structure things. So there's a lot of similarities, but uh, it, it really does depend on the format. You know, I mean, are you talking over music beds? Or are you just doing it dry? Uh, are you talking up intros? Are you talking up tales? You know, it's, it's there's a lot of different aspects to it. Um, they don't could, really teach you in radio school either. So I could listen to you do air checks all day. Oh, have you checked out some of my air checks? Yeah, they're spot on. So I grew up listening to Stern. 
and you know obviously him coming back from the radio background in his career he would always even in the serious satellite days would do these kind of like oh the talk-ups yeah the talk-ups and it was always like oh is he gonna do it is he gonna do it oh you gotta gotta hit the post you gotta yeah and i don't it's amazing to me how you nail that on every single time yeah, but you know what? That's the thing. It's 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 an art form, right? Like I'm a performer at the end of the day, and I want to just put on the best performance I possibly can and create the most compelling performance for the audience. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, it's a very specific skill to have. I mean, I and it's kind of old school at the same time, like the old school mentality. Like, um, I sent a demo to SiriusXM recently. They're trying to they they want to hire me over there. Oh, nice. And, um, I sent uh, I sent a demo to them, and the they loved it. But the the funny thing is that they I, I was still a little too radio for them. Okay, they want me. They they they're looking for like very they're like, like conversational, chilled, laid back. Like you know, don't don't talk up. You don't have to talk up the intro of the song if you don't want to. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, but but that but what? No, that's part of the art. Like that's the fun part. You know. And so it's kind of an old school kind of thing, like on FM radio. But there's also reasons why we still do it. So it's. Um, yeah, like I said, it really does depend on the format, you know. I I love serious radio. Um, the one thing I can't stand, and it just it makes me laugh every time they do it, is when the DJ wants to give like a heads up. Let's say you know Queen is coming up next. It's never up yeah. next, so they give this like ten minute detailed story about this Queen anecdote. But then they're like, yeah. "All right, so I'm going to play them in two hours." <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> well, that's called teasing, you know. It's funny well, we sit in meetings that we generally do. like okay next song or something like that or the song app like within the next five minutes but like their teasing is like somewhere around the corner next tuesday we're gonna play that song yeah usually um on on our station when we tease something it's usually maybe in two or three songs so yeah but it's funny you know you watch like entertainment tonight it's like coming up did you see what kim kardashian did over the weekend we got that plus the victoria's secret fashion show happened last night we've got all the coverage coming up and they would tease that through the whole show. And then finally, all right, thanks for watching. Here's some footage from Victoria's Secret Fashion yes. Show this weekend. And they, they roll the credits over it. We're like, what the fuck? Like, I want to see you know? So, I mean, it really is, it, it, it depends on how effective your teasing is as well. Yeah. So, you know. All right. So, how is like UK radio different than US radio? UK radio is very, um, okay. America and Canada is still stuck in this, like, um, you know, today's best variety mix 99.1. And that is Gavin DeGraw, throwback back to 2004. Like, you know, it's very like that. Whereas in the, in the UK, if you listen to Capital, it's like, hey, Friday night, how you doing? It's Capital kicking off the weekend. We've got massive tunes. What if they had a Katie in, uh, you know, Murphy listening tonight, having a pint? Like, it's just very energetic, very upbeat. It sounds like very in the moment. It sounds young. It sounds hip. It sounds cool uh, to me, at least. Yeah. And uh, Canadian radio, like I said, it's still like today's best variety. Mix ninety nine point one. How you doing? I'm Big Balls Voice, rocking you all the way through the midnight hour. Like it's, yeah. And even you know, it's weird because the, I find the young talent in Canada as young as they are. The thing is that I hate radio people that go to radio school because they they learn all of the wrong things. The best way to learn radio and broadcasting is by actually listening and doing. Because that's how I learned. I listened to I listened to Mo Bounce and C one hundred and I learned how to do what I do by mimicking him and yeah. you know, basically miming him. I'd rehearse, you know, talk ups in my car on song like uh, just playing songs off my iPod and I would rehearse like talk ups like trying to sound like him and get the cadence down. It's all about the cadence and the rhythm and you know, there's a there's a lot of jocks today that and it's it's funny because I listen to major market radio. I listen to some jocks in Toronto or Vancouver, and like they just like nobody impresses me anymore. It's it's really sad. Like as a fan of radio, like like I said, growing up loving learning from talent like Mo Bounce and stuff. It's 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 so uninspiring. And it sounds like I'm talking shit, but like I'm just being honest because there's like I I really genuinely think that talent in the industry now they really should go back and listen to some of these amazing excellent jocks and they could learn so much just by listening to them you know the biggest advice i give to any new announcers is listen to radio outside of your market and see what they're sounding like because if you listen to me and you listen to everybody else uh, I, I get told this all the time i sound nothing like any other uh, the other jocks in the city mm-hmm. um you listen to show you listen to virgin like i i i sound you know 
I sound completely different. I find like, if you listen to my air checks, uh, you're familiar with what I sound like. And then you go listen to another one of the jocks, like in the market it's completely different, yeah. completely different approach. Even the way I approach like my music beds, I'm, I'm playing with my faders, you know, like with the music bed, I'm, I, I sit in, I like to sit in the mix. I'm very particular with the sound as well. You know, I'm very selective with my music beds. Like I, I have my hand in all the pots, whereas other jocks, they sort of just show up and they throw up the fader and they're like, all right, everybody, uh, you want to lose five pounds? I'm going to tell you how to do that coming up in five minutes. Well, I you think know? that's your musician background, wouldn't you say? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And especially, you know, growing up listening to Def Leppard records and Shania and, you know, Mutt Lang records specifically, like I just, I, I have a certain sound in my head that I, that I, I will not rest until I achieve kind of thing. And it's funny, I had a program director a couple of years ago at the beat, his name was Sam Sniper. And he said something really, really profound to me that made a whole lot of sense. He said to me, Jeremy, we need to make the station sound as pleasurable as possible. And I was like, that's a very interesting way to describe it. Pleasurable. It's like everything from the microphone processing. You listen to some radio stations in Canada. Oh my God, their microphones sound like this. <laughs> it sounds like shit. Sounds terrible. Uh, he comes from, he was from France. He's a French guy. And uh, if you listen, even European radio has the best sound ever. The, the processing they use on their, on their FM feed. We actually use the same processing chain on our FM that we use on our online stream. So if you listen to the beat online and in the car, it's a very consistent sound and it sounds phenomenal. Um, the compression and the EQ, like just everything about it, it's so pleasurable. And yeah. I never understood that until he described it. I'm like, well, that's why I love those Def Leppard records. That's why I love those Shania records. Cause you know, a symbol is not popping out over here. Or, like, you know, like guitar things over here, like bashing your ears in the mix. Everything just sounds so pleasurable. And that's what I, I genuinely say this all the time, that the Beat 92.5 in Montreal is the best sounding FM station in the country, just because of the, the attention to detail. Um, you know, even in the mixing of my imaging, when I, uh, I produce imaging as well, like I do branded intros for my shows and stuff, you know, I'm sitting there in Pro Tools and I'm mixing, I'm automating volume swells and I'm, I'm EQing my sound effects. So this way they don't pop out in the mix and, or so they do pop, but they're not like, it's like, aggressive on your ears they don't sound like razor blades like I, i'm i'm a very like mutt lang kind of approach to a lot of the stuff i do because i wanted to sound the best it can so um and i guess the work does speak for itself because you listen to the station and it sounds it sounds incredible to you my ears at least you won't find many djs that that even care about that but know no. how to execute <laughs> Well, that's it. And like I said, you know, a lot of the jocks in the industry, they're just kind of like, you know, Joe Schmo's like, oh my God, I grew up a loving radio. I need to do radio. Radio's my life. But then you ask them like, oh, hey, do you know how to do this or do that? Do you know anything about this? They're like, oh, no, no, no. But I can do a mean talk up. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's, okay. Well, great. <laughs> did you, let's talk about the beginning. Did you grow up in Montreal? I grew up on a native reservation just on the South shore of Montreal. I, I'm okay. from Gahnawake, Mohawk Territory. We're okay. on the we're on the banks of the mighty St. Lawrence, literally just fifteen minutes from downtown Montreal. And what was that like? Oh, it's great. Uh, I mean, you hear uh, horror stories about native uh, communities across Canada, and a lot of them are really, really bad. Uh, you know, like, no running water, okay. no electricity, just poor infrastructure, housing deficiencies, and just you know, uh, no opportunities. Um, in Gunawaga, because we're literally 15 minutes from uh, a metropolis, you know, I don't think it would have looked good for the government to have a shitty native reservation on the south shore of Montreal. So yeah. it's actually pretty well developed. We have a really good economy. Uh, our, our local government is fantastic. It's uh, no, it's a, it's a great, great community, and we're we're a real knit, close kind of community where everybody knows each other. You know, you go to a bar or something, you're like, oh, hey, I'm uh, Jeremy. Oh yeah, who's your parents? Tell me your parents are, and they know exactly who you are right away. Oh my god, like that kind of thing. Yeah, oh, cool. It's a small, small town. So, how did you like? What do you remember your first moments where you heard the radio, or the radio kind of, you know, caught your attention? Yeah, uh, actually, the guy I work with now, Cat Spencer, he's on the show before me. He hosts the afternoon drive show on the beat. He used to be on Mix ninety six, and I remember going to school, or like I think he was doing nights at the time. Yeah, it was like late nineties, early two. Yeah, I think he was doing nights. 
And uh, he used to do this thing called dialing for depths where he would just say, it was like phony phone calls. He'd call local like uh, convenience stores in Montreal. They're called Depanairs. So he'd call these Depanairs and just be like, um, they'd answer, be like, oh, why about Depanairs? Like, hello? Hello, Depanair? And, and he would just say, hello, hello, Depanair. Oh, hi. Hi. Hello, Depanair. And they would get so mad on the phone. And it was the funniest thing. It was like the funniest bit ever. And I vividly remember listening to that in the car with my parents and thinking it was the greatest thing ever and uh, that that's definitely my earliest memory of radio uh and then from there when i got older like i discovered the radio when i was in grade seven going to high school um well i know about radio before that because we had a local radio station in gunawaga uh one of my dad's friends lance worked at the station so i knew him and i knew he was on the radio but i didn't really like care uh, and then when I got to high school, like I didn't have an iPod or anything yet. So I would, every morning we'd listen to Terry, Ted and Kim on show 97, seven. And, uh, we hear Ted do his revisionist history bits and all these things. And I, I, that was my school of radio for the first, uh, part of my high school years, listening to Terry, Ted and Kim in the morning, Kat, Lisa and the sheriff on mix, uh, Lance DeLille on K1037. Like those were the stations that we flipped back and forth with. And, uh, it kind of went from there, but even in elementary school, like I was never afraid to like read, uh, you know, like public speaking and stuff. Like, you know, I was in yeah. grade six, kind of like reading the opening, uh, and stuff at schools and, uh, making announcements and stuff. And then when I got to high school, I had, um, my grade eight science teacher, Ms. Vera, she uh, said to me one day, she said, Hey, you have a really good voice. I think you'd be really good on the radio. I was like, Oh yeah. I never really thought of that. And, um, kind of went from there. Yeah. So how'd you get your foot in the door? Well, I literally got my foot in the door uh, at K1037 here in Gautamawage. Uh When I was 15, I was building these Eddie Van Halen guitars. Actually, I can go grab one. Hold on. Hold on. Uh-oh. I'll go grab one. Hold on. This is the uh, this is one of the first ones I built. This is the, uh, this is the 5150. Oh, the 5150. I got it right there. Where is it? Yeah, right behind you, right? right there. So, so that was the first one I built. And uh, I knew Lance was a big fan of Van Halen. So I went to K103 and um, I just called him up at the radio station. I was like, hey, you know, um, I, I know you're a big Van Halen fan. I built this Eddie Van Halen tribute guitar. You want to check it out? He's like, yeah, come on by. And so I got off the school bus. I grabbed my uh, grabbed the guitar, <laughs> got on my four-wheeler, booted it down to the radio station, went up the stairs of the fire escape because at the old radio station building, it was right on the St. Lawrence Seaway. And they had a, they had a back porch which was the fire escape but everybody would go there to smoke and like hang out whatever and it was like a big metal fire escape and you go up and the stu- the door led right into the studio so i go up the stairs i bang on the door i'm like uh, hey it's jeremy so he comes out and uh, we're checking it out and the program director chuck barnett came out and uh, we're all talking and uh abigail jacobs who was the afternoon host at the time she came out and reminded Lance saying like, Hey, uh, you know, don't forget tomorrow you're filling in for me. I'm off. And I joke and said, I'm like, Hey, you know, what if I come in and, uh, you know, hang out and check out this whole radio thing. And, uh, Lance and Chuck were like, Oh, sure. Come on by, come in after school. So I went in after school, I got off the school bus there and I, uh, I collected <laughs> the traffic report for Lance. And by listening to CJD, we stole the traffic report. Uh, we, we had a little radio in the radio studio listening to cjd to get their traffic report to report the same report a minute later because <laughs> we didn't have traffic cameras or anything so we stole their traffic reports and that was my job i had to listen to cjd while they were on the air and write down okay 20 west is back in Stuville st pierre like all these things and uh so that was my job and i just kept going back uh through that summer and the funny thing is that ted bird who i was grew up listening to on show was working at k1037 now on the morning show so in the summertime, uh, Lance ended up becoming their, was their producer, and I was like the intern. So I spent my summer vacation interning with the morning show, like learning how to cut audio, grab clips. Like I did everything. I was their gopher. They needed coffee. I went to the freaking cafe and got their coffee. I, I did it all. And uh, from there, and that's the best radio school ever, right? Like you know, you, you can't buy that experience because you're literally on the job in a real life scenario in the trenches, so to say with, yeah. you know, one of the biggest names that's ever come out of Montreal radio as the host. And you're working under him alongside Lance and Java and Paul, who had been there for years. And like, like these are top guys. And 
I'm 15 years old in the production studio learning from them for the whole summer. So after all my hard work, I was also pumping gas at my parents' gas station at the time. So I'd, I'd go to the radio station from like five till 10 and then I'd go pump gas and then I'd try to hang out with some friends. And then like, it was like, that was my summer. It was great. And then, uh, my favorite I visual end- from that story is you driving to the radio station in a four wheeler with the 5150 on your back. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. That's literally what happened. Yeah, I uh, I think I had a razor at the time. Did I have an RZR? Yeah, I think it would have been a razor. <laughs> better. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, it was better the four wheeler, but yeah. So, and then after my hard work through the summer, the program director said, uh, So, you want to do your own show or what? Like, yes. So they gave me, because the radio station, it's a small radio station, and uh, they literally survive on doing a radio bingo. So on Friday nights, they the, radio, the station literally becomes a bingo game. Oh Everybody goes to the radio station, you buy your bingo cards, it's all like legit. They have the serial numbers and all entered in the system, and it's this whole thing. So they survive on radio bingo, because the sales are just, it wasn't that great. Uh, but the morning show was making money, which is really good. So they were actually able to, like, you know, we got some cool shit after a while. But, um, yeah, so after Radio Bingo, there was a slot there, and I got it. And they were like, hey, you know, we'll give you 30 bucks. Go and do the uh, Friday night show for three hours. I was like, yes, perfect. So I went in. I was doing this classic hard rock and, uh, like, 80, like, 80s hard rock playing Van Halen and Def Leppard, Motley Crue, like, Dawkins, like, all the shit that I liked. And, um, yeah, that was my first radio show. I was 15. That's awesome. So I started doing that. So this guitar is the reason, like Eddie Van Halen is the reason I have my career today. So we have similar stories where essentially that guitar started my career as well. No way. Yeah, it was, uh, well, by the way, isn't it, don't you feel more comfortable talking or just doing anything when there's guitar in your lap? (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. My wife gets so pissed off because when she'll want to talk to me about something serious and I'm plucking around, like she's like, can you just stop that for one second? I'm like, I don't think I can. (laughs) Dude, same thing. You know, I really got into it as well because I was a fan of the music, you know? I I mean, jeez, I I would have never dreamt when I was doing the classic hard rock show. It's time that I'd, you know, be doing this now and interviewing Gene and Paul and Phil Collin and meeting Sammy and Gary and all these guys, you know? So it's, it's kind of bizarre, but yeah, I mean, you know, I just it really did, is, did it, it for the love of music, you know? Yeah. What, um, so how did you, okay, so you ended up, I always have to get this right, at the beat, 92.5. Yeah. I love this about your story, where, in my opinion, from looking at you and, and knowing you a little bit, uh, hard rock guy, you know? Mm-hmm. How do you, I'm assuming you love pop too, but like, do you get a lot of, is that a, is that kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde with you where it's, is it a job over at the radio station or like, how do you juggle those two types of music? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny when I got the job at the beat, I was doing the classic rock show on Friday nights. But the thing is that when I got hired at the beat, I was also doing the country show on the weekend. So I'd stay at the beat uh, at, at K103 till two in the morning doing the, sh- the rock show or one or two. If I don't remember. And I would go back at 6 a.m. to do the country weekend. So I was doing country radio from 6 to noon, I think, on Saturdays and Sundays. So the program director heard me one morning, and he had a mutual. He knew the sales guy at, the, at K103 at the time. So me and the sales guy, we were actually going to a client for dinner. And he said, hey, uh, you know, there's this new radio station in Montreal. It's uh, just changed its name. It's, you know, Q92. I'm like, yeah. Well, they just changed their name to the beat. It's a brand new station. I'm friends with the with the program director, and he heard you on the air, and he thinks uh, that he wanted me to put you and put you guys in touch. He thinks you have a lot of potential. And I was like, oh, really? That's that's cool. And I always grew up wanting to work on Shome. I was like, oh man, I want to be on rock radio, man. You know, I want to be Pete Maria. I want to be the rock guy. You know, and uh, so this was before I discovered Z100 and like Capital and stuff, and that's where like my love for pop radio really came from. But I, uh, I was never a music snob. Like, uh, you know, one of the first CDs, my first two CDs were Shania Twain's Coming Over and Van Halen's 1984. And then the first <laughs> CD I got for, I bought with my own money was Maroon 5, Songs About Jane, when I was in grade five or grade six, whenever that came out. 
But I also love Britney Spears and I love Christina Aguilera and I love the Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys is my first sponsor, Millennium Tour. Oh, wow. Um, I love like the A-teens and like just like the most like random like pop acts. Like if it was, if it was produced by Max Martin or like if, if it came out of Sweden, like I was all about it. Yeah. Like I love all that Swedish pop. But I also love the uh, the rock stuff. You know, I only really discovered the rock stuff when I was in high school. My best friend at the time, him and his dad, they introduced me to a lot of the a lot of the the metal and heavy rock stuff that I was exposed to growing up because my mom listened to all that stuff. But like I said, I listened to Mix ninety six, and I, I I in my mom's car, she was either playing Scorpions or Van Halen, or she was playing CC Peniston and uh, Ace of Base. You know, so I, I I had best of both worlds with the Van Halen reference. So. Uh, when I, when they asked me to go to the beat, like, I, first of all, I didn't think I was getting a job there or anything. Like I, yeah. uh, he, I called him and I left him a message and he called me back and was like, Hey, uh, yeah. He's like, oh, what are you doing next Tuesday? You want to come on by check out the radio station? And I was like, sure. Yeah. So I'm 17 at the time. I just dropped out of C Jeff. I hated what I was studying. Uh, I was in a relationship and it was just like. I was pumping gas and I was working at K103. I was like, yeah, hey, you know, life's good. I just graduated from high school. I think I need a break from fucking school, you know? And I went to the beat, found parking right outside the door. I was like, this never happens. I'm in the city. There shouldn't be parking right now. So I go in and I say to the receptionist, I'm like, hi, I'm Jeremy White. I'm here to see Leo Descrella. And I'm like this fat, you know, long haired native kid wearing a Van Halen t shirt, you know, going to the pop, big corporate office building and she kind of looked me up and was like you sure you're meeting him or like yeah i know yeah it's jeremy white so she's like okay just go sit there like so she gets on the phone i guess she called the assistant and she's like oh i have a jeremy white here for leo to throw him and i can see her facial expression change as soon as she got on the phone she's like oh okay yeah great uh yes he, he's here he's ready oh yeah no problem and he's up she comes over she's like oh mr white would you like anything would you like a coffee or water while you wait or anything he's gonna be just a few minutes I was like, no, no, I'm fine. But he comes out and uh, we meet each other and he's super cool. He's like, hey, he's like, man, he's like, oh, great t-shirt, man. Oh yeah, I love Van Halen and stuff. So brings me into the station. He's showing me around because we have like, we have four stations in, in the cluster in, in the Montreal office. So he's showing me around and he introduced me to our web girl, Tanya, who's still there. And he was like, oh, this is, she, he's like, this is Jeremy. He's going to be one of our new announcers. And she's like, oh, great to meet you. Well, I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> another new announcer, you know? So uh shows me the studio and stuff. I met Donna Staker for the first time, which is cool. because She's like the queen of your workday. Like, you know, she's like the voice of Montreal radio in the middays, you know? So we get in his office and we're chatting and stuff. We're talking about K103 and Van Halen and music and, She's like, well, listen, he's like, uh, I think you have a lot of potential and I'd love to get you on the air here to, you know, I know you're very green and uh, I'd like to show you the ropes and get you going. What do you think? I have a shift on Wednesday night. It's overnight from midnight to five. And, uh, you know, we'll go from there and see what happens. And I was like, okay. And that was it. That was it. Got the contract. Got the contract. He had the contract. He was like, okay, yeah. He's like, I'll get the contract done and uh, come back next week. We'll sign everything and uh, we'll be good. I'm like, okay. And he was like, your first shift's going to be on February. I forget what it was. It was a Wednesday night. And uh, I went in the night on the Monday just to, like, train. And that's when I met Paul Hayes because I showed up early. So I called the hotline. I'm like, hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm the new overnight guy. Uh, can you let me in? I know I'm a little early. And he's like, oh, all right, mate. Hold on. <laughs> he was kind of, like, annoyed. So he came and opened the door for me, and I got in. And we just started chatting and uh, we hit it off immediately, he and I, and uh, we became really good friends. But the funny thing is that so all this is going on and I'm telling Lance DeLille about all of this. And also, can I say, one of the big reasons why I got the job at The Beat is because of Lance DeLille. Because, and I'll tell you, it's, it's very specific. There was one Christmas, it was that Christmas that year where my parents and like a whole family, they usually go away at Christmas. They go down to like, you know, an all-inclusive or something like that. And there was nobody to work at the radio station. So Lance is like, Jeremy, I'm telling you this right now. Over the holidays is when program directors are listening to the, to the other radio stations, see what talent's on the air and, you know, looking for the next, you know, announcers and stuff. You know, they usually change up their schedules at the end of the summer. They start listening around Christmas. I guarantee you, do these shifts, some program director's going to hear you and you, maybe you'll get a shot at somewhere. And I was like, yeah, you think so? And he's like, I know so. Just, just do it. So I worked that whole holiday season. And that's when Leo heard me. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. And had I not worked that ho- those holiday shifts, when nobody else wanted to work, I went in and did those, you know, Christmas Day, 6 to noon kind of thing. Like, yeah. And had I not worked the holidays, I probably wouldn't have gone, been on the beat because he heard me. That's great. Well, the big question yeah. about your radio career is how long did you drive the Razor to your radio shifts? <laughs> well, I, I got it till I, till I got my permit and then I was good. <laughs> I was driving, uh, what was I buy? I was, I was driving, um, what was I driving? I was driving a Pontiac Sunfire. That's how I learned to drive stick. Nice. And I, was, I was driving, um, was it, uh, was it a Malibu? I think I was driving a Malibu. Uh. Yeah, or a Caprice. It might have been a Caprice. Well, the dichotomy between you working at the pop station and loving what you love, I think that's great. And to me, real musicians kind of get that, you know? Um, Yeah, it's just all music to me. It's all music. I'm a fan of it all. I'm a fan of it all. People ask, well, you know, to your point, people ask me all the time, oh, you must hate the music. How can you play Lady Gaga? Even on on Twitter, like I posted a picture of me holding my Eddie Van Halen guitar. I was wearing a Britney Spears shirt. Yeah. And some guy like wrote a snarky comment, like, really? You're wearing a Britney shirt? And I, I wrote back, I'm like, leave Britney alone, like, as, like, the joke. But, yeah, it's just all music to me. Yeah, I get heat from the rock guys. So How did you pivot to the Jeremy uh, White podcast? Like, originally, you were doing kind of, like, vlog-style programming on YouTube. How, like, what was your idea to pivot oh it was far from vlog style program it wasn't programming well, at all it was know. literally me just getting a new camera I was like oh let's have some fun let's go walk around you know but um yeah i uh one of my best friends his name is mitch lafon and he's a canadian rock journalist uh, he's just a music guy really um and he, he's kind of like the canadian eddie trunk in a way uh, he's been mm-hmm. doing a podcast for years and um He's, he's kind of like the guy, you know, you want to talk about rock or music in general. I mean, you call Mitch LaFont. So he and I, we got introduced backstage at a Montreal music festival called the uh, Oceaga. Maybe like three years ago now. Uh, yeah, three or four years ago. And uh, it was actually through the rock guy, like my competition on the rock station, like on my same time slot. Mm-hmm. You know, we were, we were hanging out backstage and Mitch came over and he's like, oh, Jeremy, do you know Mitch? And I was like, no. And he's like, oh, you need to know Mitch. Oh, my God. You guys are going to be like best buddies. And sure enough, we ended up becoming best friends. And, um, you know, he and I, we, we talked about, he's like, you know, why aren't you doing a podcast? Why are you just depending on the radio station? You know, you have all these interests you like this, you like that. How come you don't do a podcast or do a YouTube channel? Like just, you know, doing all these things that you like, you know, you play guitar, go play guitar on YouTube or start to do the podcast, interview these people that you want to, you've always wanted to interview and stuff. Uh, you know, you can be off brand at the radio station it's all about being on brand and yeah. super serving the audience so the podcast is complete polar opposite of all of that and that was kind of the point and uh so yeah at the beginning of the pandemic i mean i thought about it for a good you know year and uh i pitched it to the radio station they didn't want nothing to do with it i was like perfect i could do whatever i want now but then Mitch and my other friend Mitch Joel who's an award-winning branding marketing tech guru like you know he does ted talks and you know walmart and google and disney like all these companies when they need somebody to talk to their staff about innovations and marketing and all those they they call him and he's another good friend of mine and he and i we went for lunch and he was talking he's like just do it just, just do it what do you care i don't care about the other guys just do it for yourself i was like you know what that's a really good point i should just do it so i ended up just doing it and um Got the artwork made from uh, Claudio Bergman, who's a great uh, artist. He did the artwork for Judas Priest's Firepower album. Uh, he also <laughs> did the artwork for Mitch LaFon's uh, podcast. So I wanted the album cover to look like an album cover. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to just look like a headshot and like, hey, here's my podcast, you know, like kind of thing. So it's a proper, proper composition. You know, the theme song I put together, the logo I designed, it's the podcast and all this stuff. But it was also because I, I built the studio. I'm in my basement. And uh, I wanted to do like uh, artist interviews and all that stuff from home as opposed to going all the way to the radio station, setting mm-hmm. everything up. Um, so that was that. And I was like, well, what do I want the podcast to be? One of my best friends, he was the morning show producer at Q1043 in New York City. He was Jim Kerr's morning show producer for 16 years. And uh, he just moved to Toronto, actually. He's the morning show producer at uh, News Talk 1010. More in the morning. His name is Joe. 
And we were talking kind of about like, you know, what, sh- what should the content be? What should I, you know, be talking about? Should it just be interviews? Should it be, you know, the stuff that I don't want it, to be, you know, it's, do I want it to be the stuff that I can't do on the radio? Do I want it to be content? Do I want it to be this? Do I want it to be that? And um, that was kind of the idea. It was supposed to be like everything I wanted to do, but that I couldn't do on the radio. Uh, so I needed a first guest. So I had Mitch as my guest and I messaged Steve Stevens from Billy Idol's band. I was like, Hey Steve, uh, you know, I'm starting a podcast. I need a first guest. Like, do you want to be on? He was like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. So I know I just totally threw that out there like nonchalantly, right? Like, yeah, I messaged Steve Stevens, Billy Idol, but that's literally what happened. I met him backstage at the Billy Idol, Brian Adams concert, and we just kept in touch. And so I shot him a message. I'm like, Hey, you want to do this? He's like, yep. So that's literally how I got my first interview for the podcast. And Mm. Went from there. I, the second episode was with Aldo Nova, Canadian rock royalty. The uh, third episode was, uh, was Ace Fraley. Like, that's the thing. It's like, you know, for the radio station, I've interviewed everyone, man. Like, I've interviewed the Ed Sheerans and the Dua Lipas, like all the big pop stars. I'm supposed to inter- I'm interviewing Keith Urban tomorrow. Um, on you know, the radio show. Yeah, for the radio show. I'm yeah. probably going to run it on the podcast, too. Uh, just because he's, he's an amazing guitar player. But, um, you know, I've gotten to interview, you know, pretty much everybody that I've ever wanted to interview at this point. You know, I interviewed Shania Twain. Like, that was a thrill. Um, imagine. So, yeah. So with the podcast, like, it, it really just turned into something that I didn't intend it to. Like, it did. It wasn't supposed to turn into, like, this rock show. Um, you know, I really wanted it to be everything. I wanted it to be country. I wanted it to be pop. I wanted it to be rock. And uh, I just started getting pitched, you know. New, hey, new podcast and publicists, you know, like the way my podcast looks, they like the graphics, they like me, my, my, my style and everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, started getting pitched all these, these artists. And uh, <laughs> it's been great. I ended up picking up a Canadian radio award for the podcast back in December. Uh, totally unexpected. Just, uh, yeah. I so mean, when, when it, your podcasts are making, wa- uh, making, making waves, making, um, news and headlines, um mm. is is that just is completely unexpected like that's not what <laughs> it must be a thrill well if i said that it was unexpected i would be lying because i really went into this thing to make a point <laughs> to the radio station in a sense because uh i had this little bit of a beef with my program director and <laughs> he uh he and i we had a conversation i interviewed david getta the, the dj david getta and I asked him about um, uh, being a producer and I asked him about keyboards and stuff or yeah. whatever. And he's like, oh, that's so off-brand. You know, our audience doesn't care about that stuff, this and that. And so we kind of had this like little bit of a feud. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm just not doing artist interviews for you anymore. That's it. I'm just, I'm just not. I'm, get somebody else to do it. I'm just going to do my own podcast, my own interviews, and that's it. And um, I, I, I was like, the questions I ask are questions that, every joe schmo isn't asking you know these artists are doing a junket 10 15 20 minutes of pop in whatever markets in 10 or 20 different markets a day they get asked the same questions in every city okay and then they come on my show and they talk to me and hey, i am a musician and i'm genuinely curious i also don't interview anybody that i don't care about yeah so i'm only interviewing if i'm actually a genuine fan and i'll ask questions like oh how did you get that guitar tone what do you think about this or that and they get engaged and they get involved. You know, Gavin, Gavin Rosdale from Bush last week interviewed Gavin. Okay. We had, we had a hard 15 minutes. Okay. But he got so into it and it got him so comfortable. We ended up going an extra 15. I got a half hour with the guy and the publicist sent me a note after saying, Hey, Gavin wanted me to write to you saying he had a lovely time on the show. Thanks for having him. And you know, so when the podcast started getting picked up and mentioned in Rolling Stone and, uh, you know, even European coverage on Virgin Radio Italy and all these places and in Brazil. It's like, you know, I, I'm good at what I do, I guess. Well, when I was it just solidifies that when I was watching your Michael Anthony interview and that, I love that Linda Perry interview. That was a great interview. Um, oh, yeah, was, she was fun. That was very casual. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Very I'm, I'm very casual. You know? She like had an idea. just got up, walked around, showed you something in her studio. Yeah. This is cash. Uh, it was a good that's hand. Is, you know? So when yeah. I saw when I watched Michael Anthony's interview. And I saw the look on his face, like his face changed, the muscles in his face changed when you mentioned that Dave was using his vocals live. And yeah. as soon as I saw that, I'm like, all right, that that's going to be in the news tomorrow. <laughs> yes. And it was. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and that's the thing. It's, 
you never know what's going to get picked up in the newsroom. But my intention of doing the podcast was to, you know, get people to know me yeah. as opposed to just, you know, the guy that does 15 second talkovers that I, you know, Mitch Joel said to me, he's like, you're a lot more than just your 15 second talkovers on the radio station. And you should be showing that off. And I was like, yeah, I guess. And, you know, it's, I'm very self-conscious of the, you know, uh, at first, I was very self-conscious of everything. I was like, "Oh God, people are going to say like, oh, here's another podcast. Oh, Jeremy. Oh, oh, look, there's Jeremy again interviewing some rock star. You know, this or that." But uh, the reception has been incredible. You know, yeah. I mean, well, I, I think one I, reason it's totally why... unexpected, but I, I kind of expected as well. Like, I was like, if well, I'm if I'm as good as I think I am, and as people think that I am, well, then people should find this show, and people should say, "Oh yeah, yeah. he's good." You know. It's like clicking. It, Sometimes you just don't know. You can have the greatest show in the world with the greatest talent, yeah. and it just doesn't click for whatever reason. Timing. You know. Yeah. Um, you no, can. Totally. I think one of the reasons why your show is is so successful now is that you're. It seems to me as a viewer, and I've I've gotten to know you backwards. So I've known you from the podcast, and then I started looking into your radio work. But you right. are just living your best life. You know, when you're in the studio yeah. doing a. Def Leppard song or showing the new pariah pickups on your 51, you know, it's like mm-hmm. you are having a blast and it comes off natural. People want to have a blast with you. Well, that's, I mean, you know, I, I watch so many podcasters and like uh, bloggers and stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm not the guy that goes like, Hey guys, welcome back to my channel. Like it's, I'm, I'm very, <laughs> the like, link I'm below. Going, make sure you like and subscribe, <laughs> smash that like button, get more content like this. Like it's, it's, I'm not that guy at all. I'm just yeah. very, very casual. Like, you know, what what you see is what you get kind of thing. Like, you know, if we went to a bar or something, this is exactly what it'd be like. You yeah. know, same thing with the podcast. Like, I try, I'm a big Stern fan too. So it's like, you know, I, I, I like the casualness. I love Kyle and Jackie O in Australia. They're a fantastic radio show. And it's the same thing. It's just very casual. And I hate, I hate the artifice that comes with, along with a lot of radio uh, people, you know? I uh, I just try and be as authentic and, as possible, and I think people gravitate towards that because they're like, oh yeah, he's not putting it on. Yeah, you know what I mean. So well, what's yeah, coming up you know? next for the show? Uh, got a couple of uh, cool guests in the pipeline. I, I'm slowly, I'm I'm kind of stepping away from the big names because there's a couple of like lesser known names that I actually really really want to talk to. Uh, you know, and it's it's kind of hard to follow up my march. You know, I had Paul Stanley from Kiss. Michael Anthony from Van Halen, David Coverdale from White Snake, and then Robin Zander from Cheap Trick, and then we go into Dexter Holland from The Offspring and Linda Perry and then Gavin Rossdale, and it's like it's a good month. I, 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 it's a good cu- last couple of weeks, right? So I, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of like how do you top that? You know, who, like I said before, your, I've kind of already interviewed all the people I want to interview. So I'm, I'm working dream? on Joe Elliott from Def Leppard. Okay. Um, Joe Elliott from Def Leppard, working on that. Working on uh, working on John Bon Jovi. Which is, it's proving to be pretty difficult, actually. Uh, I was supposed to actually interview Sammy, and I ended up getting Mikey instead, which is kind of hilarious. Yeah. And I think the publicist was a little upset. I don't think she was expecting that interview to be as big as it was, or else she would have gotten me Sammy. But uh, yeah, a couple of, I, I got um, talking to Desmond Child again, big songwriter. Um, what's coming up? Dennis D. Young. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Keith Urban coming up. Who was your uh, dream yeah. interview? Well, for sure, it's got to be Shania Twain because the last time I interviewed her, it was in a junket setting. It was me and three other journalists. And the we were sitting in a hotel suite at the Queen Elizabeth Hotel in Montreal. And we were sitting at like the dining table in the suite. And it was me, a reporter for the Montreal Gazette. And the only reason I got the interview, by the way, is because I'm friends with the, the record label rep, and he, they know at the Montreal office how big of a fan I am. Mm-hmm. So they got me in for that. So it was me and three print media people. It was like Le Journal de Montréal, and like I don't know what it was, the Montreal Gazette. And the Montreal Gazette guy is there. He's asking for questions like, uh, so, uh, you know, tell me, what's it like raising your son in French and teaching him French as opposed to English being his first language? And I was just like, oh, God, here we go. Like, you know, and she's answering. I'm like, oh, well, you know, there's challenges. We live in Switzerland, this and that. She could care less. But then I started, I, I came in and I just fired off a question about the music. And I just took over the interview after that. Completely just took it over. We started talking about Come On Over and talking about Up and, you know, the Vegas residency. And I, I was asking her, you know, how did you write Man, I Feel Like a Woman? Seriously. I was like, you know, 
And I even pointed out, like, man, I feel like a woman, seven syllables. Was that something that Mutt said we need to have a certain... And she looked at me, she's like, that's a very great, that's a great question because you, you're like, because I'm a songwriter too, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, I, I'm so curious about, the, you know, this like scientific world of writing hip hop songs. And she's like, well, the funny story about that is, you know, we're sitting at the kitchen table and Mutt had this riff that went, you know, and he kept playing that riff over again. And she's like, I was going, and we had the verse. And then she said, I was just sitting at the table and I literally just said, man, I feel like a woman. Oh my gosh. And, and then Mutt just like, he was like, that's it. That's it. And I was like, oh my God, that's insane. And I'd never heard that story before. Never heard that story told anywhere. Yeah. And it was just incredible. And the crazy thing about that is that I lost the audio of that interview. I have no idea where it is. It was on a memory card and I left it at the radio station. I think somebody maybe have stole it or like it got misplaced, but I have no idea where that audio is. And so I'd love to sit down with her for like, you know, I, I, I was like, I would do the best Shania interview because I would go song by song, track by track, like asking about every single detail of that, of those records. And it, it's got to happen at some point because that that's when I'll retire. When I get the Shania <laughs> interview, because yeah. I can't interview Eddie Van Halen. I mean, you know, mm. if I get to interview David Lee Roth, I, I'm in. If I get to interview uh, well, Sammy, put on your I'm in. for that one. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm just gonna say hi, Dave, and let him go. <laughs> hey, Dave, welcome to the show. Well, you know, back in '90, let him go for it. But yeah, Shania is definitely the uh, the dream proper proper sit down interview. Yeah. Uh, you know, I if I ever if Shania ever comes to Montreal or have an opportunity to interview, I would book a studio. I would hire a film crew. I would like pay out of my pocket to make it look and like be a fucking thing just for me because you know throw that up online and Shania fans would just, they would, I would do the interview that Shania fans have been wanting forever. Oh, that, that's, that's the, uh, that's, that's the headline right there. Yeah. You know, so I know that sounds really conceited and egotistical, but <laughs> it's the truth. You know, I'm actually interviewing her band leader, uh, next week or in two weeks, Corey Churko. So well, you're getting I'm going to try, try and squeeze that in there, you know? There you go. Well, listen, I don't want to keep you long. I got a couple more questions for you. What role does like media have or had in the, you know, the birth and the, in the success of your podcast? How did you use social media to, to extend your reach? Oh, well, it's all social media. Jeez. I mean, uh, how else is anybody going to find it? You know, um, Instagram and Twitter. Mitch has been a real, real help when it came to promoting the podcast on his own socials and on his platforms. So a lot of his audience jumped over to me and followed me and vice versa. A lot of Van Halen guys, you know, follow me on Twitter and stuff. So, uh, yeah, social media has definitely been a big help, but it was, it's also asking the right questions to the right guests and getting mm-hmm. the press coverage. And then people go watch your videos and start subscribing or, you know, also people find the stuff organically too. It's like, you know, I, I mean, I'm kind of talking to very niche kind of people. Like if I'm interview, if you're David Coverdale, I mean, there's really a niche part of the population that's going to be looking for your new album. It's like, it's not the viewers of CNN or uh, MSNBC that are looking for David Coverdale, you know? So I was also very strategic in the way I approached getting the guests and, you know, the names that I've gotten and, uh, the way I label the videos, the specific clips that I use and stuff. Uh, and then also um, developing the brand, trying to make it as look as commercial as possible. You know, like I said, you know, it's a logo and it doesn't look like it was made in Microsoft Paint <laughs> or, or it was done. You know what I mean? It doesn't look like it was done in PowerPoint and then bounced to a JPEG as my album, you yeah. know, the podcast cover, you know, all the videos are properly edited and, uh, you know, I do everything in Zoom like you. Um, I also could, I could make it look, you know, with you with like uh, using a DSLR and uh, yeah, the proper lens, you know, yeah. I, I've got all of that shit. You know what I realized? I was just like, you know what? Nobody cares. <laughs> so now I'm just using my, uh, I'm using my Brio webcam. That's a Brio I'm using, uh, doing that. When I do the big interviews, I'll set up my DSLRs and I'll, I'll film properly. Like I'm in a weird situation where owning a media production agency people expect it to sound good and look good. So when I started... Well, that's the other thing. I'm I'm a professional broadcaster. It's got to look and sound good. Yeah, yeah. You know? 
I would love to be able to just to roll up with the camera on my iMac there or my, you know, whatever and <laughs> be yeah. done with it. But it is what it is. I have an idea for you, though. The next time you interview David Coverdale, you need to surprise mm-hmm. him with a special guest of Tawny Katane sitting on a car <laughs> and do a little reunion show. That'd be kind of hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You might not ever hear that from would... him again, but what are you going to do? Yeah. Coverdale's funny, man. Like, uh, it's so funny. I I always call Mitch. Uh, he'll answer like, "Uh, Mitch Lafon." I'm like, "Oh yes, hi, Mitch. It's the David. It's the David here. How are you?" And I just like start talking to him like, as David covered up. You know, back in uh, 1984, I was there at Little Mountain with Ainsley Dunbar, and we were recording the drums. And so I I love doing the, uh, the David Coverdale voice. He's 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 the best. He's another one you just let him talk. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just let him go. Well, listen. Where point. can everybody find you on social media? What are your handles? Uh, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm Jeremy White MTL, and on uh, YouTube, uh, I'm it's uh it's YouTube.com slash Jeremy White Show. So I'm actually going to be rebranding it instead of Jeremy White Podcast. I'm going to start calling it Jeremy White Show. The only reason I called it Jeremy White Podcast was to differentiate from the radio show, which is called the Jeremy White Show. And, but I actually own the Jeremy White Show name. I got it uh, copyrighted and all that shit. So uh, nice. yeah, they, 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 they can't now. they can't say anything about it. But uh, yeah, the YouTube channel is Jeremy White Show, and then you can just type in Jeremy White Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. So okay. on iHeartRadio, go on. Uh, you know, and if you want to find a specific interview, it's very easy. Just Google Jeremy White Gene Simmons or Jeremy White Paul Stanley. And I noticed that uh, you can just Google and you can find uh, the interviews, which is awesome. YouTube is amazing SEO. Yeah, it really is because, I mean, how else are you going to find it? You know, it's a great thing. What about you? What about you? So, so this, so this podcast, you're doing it on video and everything. Like you put it up on your YouTube channel and stuff. Like, uh, as a podcaster, you know, that also owns a media company. It's like, uh, have you found that social media is like really helped you out or? So it's interesting. Um, I got into this. Um, I got into this because being in the industry as long as I have about 25 years, you know, I work with a lot of cool people from time to time and oftentimes yeah. you're backstage or you're on location. And I found we would just kind of just chit chat and hang out, but it was never an environment where I would bother them about the nuances of their, you know, be fanboy, Right. Um, I never wanted to cross that line and we were just hanging out and we never, I never wanted to, we never got into deep conversations because we never knew when we were going to get called back onto set or, or whatever. So a couple of years ago, um, quite honestly, a couple of years ago, I had kidney cancer. And um, after I got past that part of my life, I thought, well, let's have more fun. (laughs) Let's let's do things. I really do not for business necessarily but just do it for for fun so i thought well i have this rolodex why don't i just start reaching out to them and ask them the questions i've always wanted to ask when we work together so that's how it really started i have not put any pressure on this at all that's a lot of the reason why i've developed like so many friends in the industry it's like you know i i'm really good friends with uh one of the rector reps here his name's eric and like (laughs) he and i we literally met because he was there to bring me to interview an artist and we just hung out after we had some drinks and stuff and we just hit it off and became really good friends. Like honestly, when you go about things in a genuine way, you're going to get a lot further than having this artifice of like, you know, putting on a facade and trying to be something that you're not like anything yeah. I do. I'm just like, what you see is what you get. Like, I'm not going about it knowing that, Oh, you can get me this. Oh, I'm going to be your friend. Like I'm just very, I develop genuine relationships with people. I hate and, the term, you know, but like organic. Yeah, what attracted me to your show was just, again, you're living your best life of you have this radio show. It appeared that you wanted to do the podcast for fun and you had that kind of outlet for yourself, creative outlet. But then mixed in with the podcast, you would do a, um, a rendition of a Def Leppard song, which, by the way, you have like a Joel, uh, Joe, Joe Elliott voice. You're made to be uh-huh. like. <laughs> the R and L and Journey, you could be that for uh, for Def Leppard. Oh my God! But I grew up. I learned to sing by listening to Def Leppard and yeah. Brian Adams. You know, so 
Yeah, my voice is very, it's very, people say it's very Brian Adams-y, so. It's all in the throat. It's all, it's all very throaty. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, real quick before I also go. learned to sing by, I, I learned to sing by mimicking Mutt Lang's backing vocals. <laughs> which is a very he specific a, he's sound. He's been a big influence on you, huh? Mutt Lang? Huge influence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, huge influence. You know what I've been doing for the last two weeks, pretty much nonstop, is there's a guy on YouTube called Digital Doctor Digital it's, Split. It's Digital Split. Yes, he's the best. He's the best. I'm waiting. He gets shut down every couple of months, but every time he puts this, I pirate it off right he's away. He's completely <laughs> new to me. I had no idea, and I'm listening. Oh, he's to been all around these... for years. Oh, has he's been he? For years, that guy. Oh yeah, my yeah. gosh, um, he's like new old stock to me. And I've been listening to nonstop Van Halen without the vocals. And it's just like, like top of the world. There's things in there that I had no idea that he did just because it's out of, you know, it's up in the mix. There's a lot of cool guitar parts in there. Like, and even the way, like there's an automated filter on the, on the rhythm track where it goes, like it's very, there's there's a lot of stuff going on in the mix that, you know, people just think, oh, it's adding a SM57 and his guitar rig. Like, no, they did some cool stuff on that album, the the, Dandy. The one thing that I loved about that Top of the World digital split uh, rendition was you can hear Steve Lukather in the background vocals on that track. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, oh, that's Steve. And it's just so cool. He's doing the lower part. The the standing on top. Like yeah, and that that bridge right before the solo when they're just doing the oohs and the ahs, and it's like it's I don't know I could listen to that all day long, but yeah, no, it's funny. There's also uh, there's a, there's an official instrumental version of that and that was B side on a Japanese uh, single. Oh really? Uh, yeah. So if you go on YouTube and type in Van Halen Top of the World Instrumental, it'll show up. It's it's the Japanese cover. It's like a brownish gold with the black. Oh, Van you know Halen what? That wasn't it. a digital split. That's the one I've been listening to. It's like the gold. Cover. Oh yeah, and the yeah. the drum mix is a little different too. It's a little bit more roomy. It's not the album mix. It's uh, it's it's an interesting. I think they called it karaoke mix actually. <laughs> well, the 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 on balance, amazing drum sounds on balance, and I discovered this by accident when you know prior to the um you know Bluetooth and all that, where my audio jack came out of my car just a little bit. And oh yeah, it, it puts it out of phase. Put it out of phase, and I could hear the drums like I was sit, like the reverb of the drums, and you kind of blocked mm-hmm. out the vocals. You hear I, everything that's on the left and right, but not in the center. Yeah, it, and it was yeah. awesome. So now I've been kind of like throwing it into Logic Pro. <laughs> doing that oh yeah, myself. split it into two separate <laughs> monos, and you throw the phase. Flip the phase, perfect. Yeah, it's awesome. So you know, yeah, I funny. do that with a lot of Shania Twain and Def Leppard stuff. So much stuff going on in the mix. It's amazing. So I I love your rig videos as well. I I got rid of the majority of my well, no not majority. I got rid of all my tube gear, and I why because I realized I have a Line Six Helix like the big one. Oh, and God. I got rid of uh. everything because I thought I don't have the room for all this anymore. It's too loud. And you know, I moved with COVID. I moved my studio from an actual studio into a home studio, and yeah. um. And everything's in this box. And I've A-B'd, tested everything. Like, I have a setting, 78 Van Halen, and it sounds exactly like the record when I, you know, play it. In uh, my ears, in my that's ears. That's no fun. That's it's good no enough fun. for me. So I was watching no. your Rockman, you know, uh, Rockman oh, video, Rockman. and I, I have that. I got this guy, his Glenn something, I forgot his guy, his name. He's in, like, New Orleans or something, Louisiana. And... uh I have a Rockman setting and I'll be damned. It sounds exactly like, like Boston. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of course and it like does. Def Leppard. It's awesome. Yeah. But where's the fun in that? I want to, I want to try and get my own tone, <laughs> you know, it's fun to play along with. I, I refuse to buy the Axe effects and the, the Helix and all those, those, the Kempers, all that stuff. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I have the amp. Like, why would I use the digital version? I got this really cool box called, uh, well, for the longest time before I got the stir box, I was using a Palmer speaker simulator. So I'd come out of the head, go into the speaker simulator and go right into, uh, my interface. So I was listening to on my, on my studio monitors. So I never had a volume issue. I just put my headphones on. I had my fucking hundred watt head, you know, in my head, in my cans or on my studio monitors. I didn't have to worry about cabinets or nothing. And now I have this box called a Sur reactive load IR. And you can basically, you can find like a, an EVH cab simulator online, put it into the SIR box and it's a load box and it does the, um, it does cab simulation. 
Yeah. So you can make it sound like a, you know, like a an AC30 combo speaker. You can make it sound like a 412 Celestial Greenback. You can make it sound like an EVH, you know. So that's how I record all of my stuff now. I'm going from my head into my Sir box, and then that oh, goes really? to uh, Pro Tools. Yeah, Sounds I have four cute. cabinets behind me over here, but I don't. They're, they're just for show now, you know. <laughs> It, that sounds very furniture. like a very Pete Thorne setup you got over there. Yeah, it actually is very Pete Thorny. I think he yeah. uses the same box. A lot, a so. lot of guys use Sir, uh, the Sir Reactive Loan. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's one of those things. I have a guitar buying problem. I had, I had a gear problem. Um, it's just it, you know what I've been kicking around the idea over the last week of doing a guitar collector documentary but it it's it would be all about like that bug that bites you as a guitar collector you know i have a buddy Mm -hmm. that owns a similar company to mine and we'll take like about once a quarter we'll shut down the the business our businesses and go on a guitar safari for like a day or two and we're known to go like camp out at one guitar store for like eight hours <laughs> and they know us. And it's like, why don't we go from town to town and do it? And it's just, yeah. you know, I get it all the time. Well, like, how do you, ha- why do you have so many guitars? And it's just like, well, none of them <laughs> sound the same. Like they all do different things. No one understands that. And like the gear. No, and, no exactly. It's in the cars. Why do you have so many cars? Right. They're cool. Yeah. <laughs> And I look at them as, I mean, I have a couple that I never play. I have a Les Paul that I never play, but I love looking at it. I, I was able to get Les Paul sign it right before he died. And I just nice. love, I just love having it sit there and I look at yes. it. I mean, I have like and, my Wolfgangs on my wall and I barely play them, but I love them because they yeah. look so cool, you know, on the wall and stuff. So it's, it, it's, they're collectible. They're furniture, you know? Yeah. I'm interviewing Adam uh, at FU Tone on Friday. Oh, cool. Tell and him I said hi. I will. Well, listen, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. And uh, let's stay in touch. Next yeah, time I'm absolutely. in Montreal, I'll give you a look up. Yeah, man. Let me know. If you ever come up here, why not? I'll hang out. We'll go grab a, we'll go grab a beverage and uh, chat more guitars. 